Creative, expertise, technology, patents, and people. Intellectual property is the core of business today. Protecting it is a priority. From a single innovation to large corporate IP issues, we're talking about it here on IP Council. Join IP Council host and attorney Peter Lando, partner of Lando and Anastasi, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome. Welcome to IP Council on the Legal Talk Network. I am Peter Lando, partner with the Cambridge, Massachusetts intellectual property law firm, Lando and Anastasi, where our practice includes all areas of intellectual property law. Of course, you can learn more about our firm at LALaw.com. At this time, I would like to uh, thank our sponsor, Samit and Company, certified public accountants at www.samit-cpa.com. That's S-A-M-E-T-C-P-A.com. On today's show, we will discuss confidential communications in the context of business relations, particularly in contemplation of furthering those relationships. Now, most business interactions involve the exchange of information. Suppliers and consumers of products and services communicate to address needs, and in so doing, exchange business information, which itself may or may not be considered confidential to the disclosing party. However, often these initial interactions lead to further exchange and ultimately direct or even implicit disclosure of confidential information. So what are some best practices in managing this exchange, from identifying confidential information to controlling its disclosure with agreements and afterward? Joining me today is my guest, Jeff Powers, Intellectual Property Counsel for Bausch & Lomb in Rochester, New York. Jeff has practiced intellectual property law for nearly 15 years, and prior to joining Bausch & Lomb, Jeff was in private practice representing a variety of businesses and institutions. And prior to his legal career, Jeff was an optical engineer for several years. Bausch & Lam, of course, is a leader in healthcare, particularly in eye healthcare products. Its core businesses include contact lenses and lens care products, ophthalmic surgical devices, instruments, and pharmaceuticals. Welcome to IP Council, Jeff. Thank you, Peter. Pleasure to join you. Before we get started, though, I'd like to remind the Listeners, that the views stated today are my own and are not those of my employer, Bausch and Lam. And I think we can probably begin by giving a brief overview of some of the key points or core points that we're going to draw upon today during our conversation. Certainly, certainly, confidentiality is a big topic. Why don't you start with with an overview? Okay, uh, three points. One would be that I'd recommend that uh, in beginning any conversation with a potential. Uh, partner or group that you're going to have an ongoing relationship with, uh, that you begin with non-confidential information first and allow the relationship to progress as far as possible with non-confidential information before entering a confidentiality agreement or agreeing to uh, disclose or receive any confidential information. Uh, So that's point one. Point two would be signing a confidentiality agreement addresses one aspect of a relationship during the entire course of uh, any discussions, it's important to remember what the relationship is, whether it contemplates uh, further uh, discussions and further relationships beyond the initial disclosures, such as uh, a licensing agreement or 
selling of product or sourcing of product, um, or if it's an acquisition. So it's important to remember what that relationship is during all discussions. Uh, the third point is uh, signing a confidentiality agreement doesn't solve all issues regarding um, confidential exchange. Even after an agreement is entered, uh, it's important to consider uh, the value of any information you disclose and the order in which you disclose it. And that's particularly important if perhaps uh, you're communicating with multiple competing parties uh, to determine which one is the appropriate one to work with in a future relationship, recognizing that uh, at least one or two of the parties you're going to terminate relations with. Very good. So let's uh, let's pick it up at the, the first of those three kind of high-level categories, uh, disclosing non-confidential information first. Uh, for some of our listeners who, who may not be um, legal professionals, um, give us some idea of what what you're talking about in terms of what types of information fall into non-confidential information and, and contrast that with what type of information might be confidential. Okay. Um, I think there are different kinds of communications that can happen during uh, any given uh, communication, and there's certain commonalities regardless of uh, the nature of that uh, communication. Initially, there's probably going to be an expression of interest. There's going to be a learning of capabilities of, um, of technology. There's going to be an under- gaining an understanding of an IP position. Um, there's going to be identifying needs to a party. There's going to be ideas perhaps of improvements or how a given product or technology may better address uh, your needs. And uh, there may be more complicated situations where you may actually visit a customer. All of this can happen during the course of confidential communications and which one of these are require the disclosure of confidential information in a given communication uh, is really determined by the facts. For example, in some instances, um, even an expression of interest is something you want to keep confidential. I think the uh, best example of that would be uh, when it's necessary for a third party, perhaps a law firm, um, to contact another party to express interest and uh, wanting to keep your own identity secret. Just because the 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 fact of of reaching out to a supplier or a a university or a research entity, that fact alone would be considered confidential. Exactly. Whether okay. you're entering a new market, perhaps, or perhaps identifying the company could actually change the nature of the relationship and the terms that are offered. Okay. The additional uh, topics such as learning capabilities that may or may not require. Uh, confidential exchange. Um, if a product's already on the market, likely you can begin conversations with non-confidential information before requiring confidential exchange. Whereas if you're talking to somebody with a product in laboratory, they may not want to talk to you at all. Okay, I understand that. That's fairly clear as far as if something's in the lab or you know still under development. But if it's a if it's a um uh, a product offering uh, where the initial uh, inquiry might be, um, I'd like X number of widgets or does your widget perform this? Um, well, there I go. Uh, that question itself might, might tilt into your, your need or your, uh, what you're thinking. So it might, might kind of show your hand. Uh, so one needs to be careful even in learning capabilities 
um, if if you're if you're initially dealing with non-confidential information, you might quickly tilt into confidential information. Am I am I right? Or that's absolutely correct. And what I suggest that the listener do is to carefully contemplate their strategy of understanding whether this potential target can fulfill its needs and and do that initially with non-confidential information as much as possible. Okay. Recognizing that disclosing confidential information exposes them to later risk, particularly if they end up terminating the relationship or receiving information, confidential information from the other party can end up uh, causing problems as well. Okay. Okay. I believe you mentioned uh, IP positions and needs and improvements as, as examples of what information you might find on a non-confidential basis first. That's right. That's right. In the case of IP protection, um, as many of the listeners will probably understand, published information in the form of patents or published applications can be ava- publicly available. There's no reason to have a confidentiality agreement or to consider such uh, communications confidential if it's public and if the target is willing to um, discuss the relevance to their particular product or technology that they're offering. Okay, but e- but even there, uh, just to play devil's advocate, even there, uh, as you well know, um, many times there are details outside of the scope of a patent application um, that these uh, interstitial um, learnings that, that actually make it, this know-how that makes the technology work um, even there, what might appear to be a non-confidential public uh, document might be um, that might be a slippery slope, at least for the disclosure, to to start getting into the technology. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And my point uh, would be uh, carry the conversation as far as you can before engaging in the agreement. Um, I think it's probably understood that in many situations. Uh, where things are going well, you're ultimately going to require some kind of confidential information. But by delaying receiving or disclosing such information uh, until you can get a better handle on whether the relationship is going to progress, you can save yourself a lot of heartache later. Certainly. Now, uh, are you are you speaking primarily from the perspective of the uh, recipient or discloser or, or both? I'm going to try to draw today upon my uh, diverse background, including both my uh, current position in a large corporation, but also based on my uh, representation of large and small clients and when I was in private practice. Okay. I think that'd be useful. Also, uh, something else comes to mind with regard to non-confidential disclosures. Um, I'm aware of... Um, companies and i've i've worked um on on both sides as well and i'm aware of companies that that uh, put in writing or request a writing uh, maybe even an email but certainly something uh, memorialized that says that interaction we just had that was non-confidential information that was exchanged do you have any uh, thoughts on that follow up uh, um kind of to, to follow up with the other party to say what was exchanged was non-confidential, and we agree that it was such. I agree. I think in any communications that are ongoing, whether uh, they occur before a confidentiality agreement is entered or after, uh, it's important to memorialize what was said and whether the parties uh, understand it to be confidential or non-confidential. These uh, statements will come in handy should there be any uh, question at a later date. 
Okay, so so you at the outset were advocating to to start with kind of a non confidential disclosures first. Um, take us on this timeline. So so we have this non you, you you've exhausted what's non confidential, what's public, um, and now there's interest internally, and uh, we want to learn a little more about the capabilities or or a little past the uh, the public IP position. We want to know what what further developments this company is working on that how they might help us address our needs, be it a product or a service offering that they could bring to to help us. Um, Take us on the timeline. What's the next contact like? Well, I think what I'd uh, begin with is saying that hopefully by the point that uh, non-confidential information has been been received, there can be some further understanding of what the relationship might be. And this is particularly true if perhaps uh, you're considering three different candidates or four different candidates, or let's say just multiple candidates. Uh, If you can eliminate one or two candidates at that point, you'll have saved yourself a lot of heartache. Um, if that's not possible, if you've still got multiple candidates and you need additional information, it's possible to work uh, with confidentiality agreements with multiple parties. But discipline has to be uh, used to make sure that any given party's confidential information remains confidential during the discussions and perhaps even more so after the discussions when perhaps you proceed to the marketplace. Okay, so so in instances where maybe a maybe a, a purchaser of of goods or services, you put out a request for proposal, and now I've got these uh, multiple parties reaching out, or or maybe in the other direction, um, but but there's multiple parties involved now. Um, it, it would be best if we could deal with these um, on a non confidential basis, uh, learn about their capabilities, but and and kind of filter through that group until we have ideally one party we're, we're working with, but sometimes it might be more than one. And, and now I have multiple confidentiality agreements in place with similar terms, and ultimately I'm going to decide on one, one supplier. How do I, how do I deliver the, the message um, to the company I'm not going to go further with? Well, I believe in many circumstances a, a direct approach is appropriate. Um, I think uh, during the initial conversations, it's perhaps important to manage expectations of any one of the uh, potential targets and make sure that both parties are aware that um, there's consideration going on. Um, you don't necessarily need to uh, certainly identify who the other targets are or maybe even that they exist, but simply stating that, look, we're still trying to understand your uh, product, trying to understand whether we're going to go forward and work together or not. And then at some future date, it may be necessary to tell one or more of the parties that, um, you know, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate what we've learned, uh, but we're going to move forward uh, without you. And, and um, I guess, consistent with what uh, we, we touched on a, a bit ago about uh, communicating back about um, what was received was non-confidential. Um, w- would you memorialize that with that party and say, we're going in another direction, uh, here's your information returned, um, you know, uh, just, just to recap, this is what we exchanged and we're, we're done, as, as a way to, to kind of tie it up at the end, so leave no, no uh, loose ends and potential for them coming back and say, uh, maybe make a claim that they disclosed something to you that you later used? Absolutely. And I think that's where it becomes important that that communication regarding your understanding of any information exchange 
is important to uh, maintain the conversation during the course of uh, the entire conversation. That is, uh, if after the first meeting there's non-confidential information, um, send an email after that first communication. After the second one, the same thing. And then finally, when it gets to the point where you're going to terminate a relationship, it's easy to draw then upon those earlier communications and just reconfirm what's, what's happened along the way. Okay. Okay. Now, at, at the outset, you, you, um, one of your uh, high-level points was a confidentiality agreement addresses one aspect of the relationship. Um, what, what did you mean by that, or, or have we already covered that in terms of communication? I think we've uh, covered uh, what, what it means to receive and how confidential information should be received or exchanged, but ultimately what has to be remembered is the NDA is only dealing with what information will be defined as uh, confidential information, how the parties will terminate um, the relationship, and what obligations survive termination of the communications. But any communications are happening within the context of a, of a larger relationship, be that, as we mentioned earlier, uh, perhaps uh, one party selling a technology or trying to license a technology to the other party. Um, it's just important to remember that relationship is defined by what the larger relationship is. Are they a seller? Are they a uh, potential licensee? And the fact that you have a non-confidentiality agreement in place just facilitates the communication. It doesn't define the relationship. Or, or non-disclosure agreement in place. Or non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, um, I, I've seen many instances, I'm sure you have as well, where parties believe disclosing parties in particular believe that, uh, oh, the agreement's in place, legal's done its job, um, speaking particularly of, the, of typically the business or the technical people uh, of a company, uh, believe the legal's done their job, that the uh, non-disclosure agreement's in place, and now I can have this open conversation um, as, as caveats. Um, I think it's, it's wise to kind of remind the parties that will be interacting um, I think you mentioned uh, defined terms in terms of uh, what what the agreement covers, which 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 information is going to be exchanged. What what are the boundaries? Uh, what are the terms? The obligations? These things. Um, how do you manage parties in these agreements? Where I believe, and as I say, my own experience working with uh, as outside counsel, um, I've seen company. Um, practitioners within the company, uh, believing that they have kind of carte blanche and they can say whatever now. And, and oftentimes they, they go too far and, and, and disclose uh, perhaps even trade secrets, which should never be disclosed, uh, even under confidentiality agreement, because some point that agreement's going to run out and, and there will your trade secret be as well. So what, 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 how, do you, how do you manage that process? Well, I think you hit on a number of important points. Uh, one is uh, the parties that are actually doing the communicating, the individuals that are actually doing the communicating need to be aware of what the terms of the agreement is. Um, they should be informed, and it's not just a matter of having an agreement in place and checking a box and then believing that uh, it's the Wild West and anything can be disclosed because we're protected. Um, that's one very important point. Uh, another important point is even after the agreement's in place, it's important to know the value of the information 
that you are disclosing uh, so that um, as you're still learning how this relationship is going to progress and whether it's going to pro- whether it is going to progress at all to that next stage of a licensing agreement or an acquisition if things do fall apart you don't want to be um in the position where you disclosed information that you wish you hadn't and that perhaps you didn't need to. So it's very important to stage your information, to understand the value of the information, even when the agreement's in place. So, so Jeff, in the, in the exchange, particularly of the um, recipient, I'm thinking, but it, but it might work for the disclosing party as well. Do, do you recommend a custodianship or, or a particular party or parties or group um, outside of legal uh, that manages this exchange? Yes, I do. That's a, that's a very good point. And uh, somebody should ultimately be responsible for management of an agreement. There's one person, ideally, who should... Uh, maintain copies of what information has been disclosed. Um, that's important for understanding what information can be used in the future and what information is understood to be uh, the outside party's confidential information. But it's also uh, important for later uh, destruction, uh, perhaps uh, in accordance with the terms of the agreement itself, so that when termination does happen, if one person is holding all of the information, they have an idea of what needs to be destroyed. Okay. And, and this, this custodian, um, you know, a company the size of Bausch & Lomb, uh, there, there may be many of these folks that, I'm, I'm guessing, many of these folks that have this responsibility. Is that correct? That's right. With any given agreement, that's true. Um, multiple team members may be um, receiving or giving information. And it's important for all of them to be uh, informed as far as what their terms of the agreement are and what their obligations are. And ultimately, when uh, an agreement is terminated, that they all be able to certify that they've com- complied with the terms of the agreement. Okay. Now, now years ago, we used to um, actually, I, I've seen uh, parties actually named in the agreement. This will be your contact person for company X, X and this is the com- contact person for company Y. Um, I, I think we've moved away from that type of drafting given the, the um, mobility of employees. Um, so, so now it's, it's pretty much um, each side has a, a person, a contact person, and and that and their role might also be to to write the other company after a after a meeting, let's say, um, to say everything that was described or discussed in that meeting was considered confidential. Some main contact that's a, a face of the company to communicate back to the to the other party to the agreement. I, do you, do you think that's a more standard these days or? I, I don't think it's very standard now to identify a particular party, but I do think um, it's good practice for a given uh, manager or company uh, to understand who it is that has that responsibility within their organization. Okay. Um, okay, Jeff, we need to take a short break here. And when we return, more with Jeff Powers and now a word from our sponsor, Samit and Company. As a business professional or personal investor, you're continually managing change. Samit & Company, certified public accountants, provides audit, 
tax, accounting, and financial expertise to help you plan for and manage change in ways that yield predictable long-term benefits. At Samit, you can count on a level of integrity that is beyond compare. Our dedicated team consistently puts forth the extra effort to deliver timely, resourceful solutions. At Samit, it's about your success, not ours. Call us now at 617-731-1222. That's 617-731-1222. Or visit us at samit-cpa.com. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. Welcome back to IP Counsel on the Legal Talk Network. Today we are joined by Jeff Powers, IP Counsel at Bausch & Lam, And we are discussing confidentiality and disclosure and agreements. Uh, Jeff, when we left off, we were, we were discussing uh, how a, a confidentiality agreement doesn't solve all the issues related to information exchange. And um, maybe you could recap for us where we were, and then uh, I'd like to start talking about types of agreements that uh, likely contain confidentiality terms. Okay. Um, now it's an important point to be made that even after an agreement has been signed, uh, that a party should be mindful of the information they continue to disclose, recognizing that a given relationship uh, may be terminated just for any reason, but uh, perhaps uh, it'll be recognized that uh, the party can't provide to you what you need, or perhaps they're just not the best party to provide uh, for the company's needs. Uh, so it's important to know the value of the inf- information you're about to disclose, whether it's, as we discussed earlier, um, information regarding your company's needs, if, if it's believed that that has value, uh, or making suggestions on how the product can be improved uh, to meet your needs, it's important to stage those communications in a way that helps you get to the realization of whether you're dealing with the proper party or not, and also does that in a way that provides the least amount of exposure to the company. Very good. Um we, we've we've talked kind of in general about confidentiality and agreements. Um, what what are some agreements that likely contain confidentiality terms? Well, it's important to realize um, that depending on the nature of any given exchange, it's important to have uh, proper terms in place. A typical uh, NDA is going to address such uh, matters as whether there are unilateral or bilateral obligations. Uh, what information is going to be considered confidential, terms of termination uh, and survival of obligations. Uh, but it doesn't go beyond that, t- uh, typically, at least with a, what would be in a uh, standard NDA. And it doesn't address matters such as money transfer or pay for services or allocation of patent rights that may arise from inventions uh, that come out during the course of the communications. Okay. Now, th- those are those are terms uh, within uh, or confidentiality terms. Um, uh, what what types of agreements, though, uh, include those terms? The typical agreements. Um, uh, you, you mentioned NDAs, non disclosure agreements. Um, I'm thinking more of options or licenses or consu- consulting Technical. agreements and 
clients, uh, maybe some technical services or clinical services or equipment evaluation. And it's everywhere is what I'm trying to say. Um, That's right. I think you just hit on them. And, um, and, it, and it goes on and on. And even in instances where I, I saw the other day a, a public relations firm being being employed by a client and um, there was a confidentiality agreement in place. So even in instances which are not technical um, and and perhaps years ago wouldn't have even been a second thought to be covered under confidentiality agreement, uh, now there's a confidentiality agreement to keep information, uh, limit the the access to the information and uh, what people can do with it and uh, uh, for some period of time. Uh, you mentioned uh, some terms um, in in non-disclosure, you, you said unilateral, bilateral. So um, explain a little bit about that. Now, the unilateral, I'm disclosing something to you, and these are my terms for that disclosure. Bilateral, we're both disclosing to one another. That's right. Both parties end up with obligation. Now, I, f- I find that um, uh, bilateral agreements are overused, and it might be maybe just a perception of mine, but I, I'm wondering what you think. I believe that's, uh, that's true, and the agreement should represent the nature of the communications that are necessary. Um, if only one party is going to be disclosing uh, information, then the agreement should reflect that. Uh, the important, important things to remember are it's not about fairness, and it's not about a recognition that any given party has or doesn't have valuable information. It's about um, the parties being able to receive information that's necessary to make a decision. Um, typically one party is going to have perhaps negotiating leverage or they're going to be the party that's interested in spending money perhaps might be what it comes down to. And so um, they're going to, I don't want to say dictate, but that might be too strong of a word, but they're going to be the party um, that's going to say what information needs to be disclosed. They might say, I need uh, to have a non-disclosure in place that will allow me to receive information on such and such a topic so that I can make my decision. If that's the case, then the agreement should reflect it. If only uh, that party's only going to be disclosing information, then the agreement should, should reflect that. Okay. Very good. And, and in terms of defining the confidential matter that's being disclosed, I could see uh, a disclosing party wanting to have a very broad definition of what's being disclosed as confidential, whereas the recipient wanting that to be fairly narrow and... Um, in, in its term to say, no, no, it's, it's only this little bit you've told me. Um, is, is that, is that uh, battleground for uh, the, the negotiation? Absolutely. That's a frequent term for, for negotiating. Uh, and again, uh, the agreement should reflect the nature of the exchange. Okay. And um, term, term of, of um, non-disclosure, the, uh, the, there's two terms, right? So the, the, the length of time which uh, uh, you and I, as parties to the agreement, are going to be covered under the agreement, the, the period, and then the obligation period, the obligation uh, that uh, one or both of us have to maintain the confidential nature of what's been disclosed to us and maybe, maybe some other uh, obligations as well. Um, I, I have seen... Uh, in, in many instances, um, parties trying to get kind of indefinite term periods. So no, no year certain, no, no amount of years certain uh, in the agreement as to uh, the period um, where you have to maintain the confidentiality. Um, is, is that a battleground as well? Oh, it absolutely is. 
and uh, again, I would say it should reflect the uh, uh, nature of the exchange, and um, you know, care should be given up front to getting a proper term to uh, be certain that uh, an unnecessary burden isn't placed on a on a party. And I think if if you don't spend the time up front to get those things correct, you can disadvantage your company. Yeah, and I I think that uh, that all falls and and it creates a kind of a false sense of security. I believe in 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 the um, parties once the agreement is signed, um, they think they're covered and they can uh, disclose anything, and and therefore they at least are open to the possibility, the risk of disclosing things outside of the definitions of uh, the confidential ma- uh, subject matter, and uh, also that if there is some obligation period, some certain obligation period, uh, the agreement's going to expire, the obligations are going to expire, and, and if trade secrets or information that a disclosing party believes is trade secret um, was disclosed uh, with the, at least the, under the theory that, hey, we're covered under an agreement, um, that, that, that agreement's going to expire, that obligation period's going to expire, and your trade secret's going to expire as well. Uh, so it's. Uh, I, I like the point you made earlier about staging information and perhaps even getting together with the uh, with the team, the business team, the technical team, the lawyers, what have you, from time to time, to to uh, go over what has been disclosed to make sure that yes, there's an agreement in place, but not not trade secret information has been disclosed or only enough information to the right parties. I guess Peter, what I'd add, I'd add one thing there, and that would be. Um, there's no substitute for keeping your uh, secret safe uh, for never having disclosed it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So I, I think that ultimately the point uh, is a uh, – uh, we, we've discussed this uh, previously. The importance in, in these types of relationships and, and in particular these agreements for clarity um, that the terms are clear and, and well understood not just by the lawyers – negotiating the terms, but by the parties that are actually going to implement the agreement and the information exchange. Uh, so clarity. But uh, you've also used a word uh, that I like, and um, and it's discipline and and how discipline is required. And what, what advice do you have to, um, I mean, I, I threw out uh, the possibility of team meetings uh, to, to kind of periodically go over what's been disclosed, what's been received, how it's going to be treated, who sees it, what have you. Um, discipline required, how does, how does that manifest itself? And Well, we've touched on a number of the topics, and, and uh, you also have reiterated some of them there. And I would say uh, discipline requires um, knowing the value of the information you're going to disclose and knowing what information you need to disclose to get the answers that you need uh, from the outside party. Uh, and keeping the conversation um, to a, a, a minimum as far as disclosure that's uh, that's given out. Uh, additionally, discipline I would uh, put under the umbrella of discipline uh, managing um, managing the relationship in terms of keeping a copy of confidential information all in one place. Uh, again, it allows you to understand. Uh, what the what your obligations are, and then perhaps at the end of the agreement uh, facilitates destruction of information. That's a good point as well, right? So at the end of the agreement, uh, as as there were uh, as we described in um, whether it was disclosing of uh, disclosure rather of of non confidential information or 
of a, a termination of, of an agreement. And the expiration of an agreement, does, do you recommend a, a writing, a, a, a kind of a, a, a capstone, a, 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 some communication back to the other party uh, saying the agreement is expired? Yeah, clear communication, I think, is the best. I think I'll leave it at that. No, I, you can't really add anything more. I think so many of our problems, and uh, I don't mean to, to speak uh, on, on such grand terms, but so many problems, uh, it, it, interaction is, is lack of communication or failure to communicate. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's true in many, many realms. Um, Jeff, I think, uh, I think we covered the topic pretty well. I, I, uh, is, there, is there some final kind of summary you'd like to add here? Well, I think perhaps the best thing I can do is reiterate uh, um, the bullet points we talked about at the opening, and I hope uh, these terms became clearer to the listener as uh, as the conversation went along. But I would recommend dealing with non-confidential information first and only resorting to confidential information on an as-needed basis. Um, I'd like the listeners to remember that it's important to remember that a confidentiality agreement addresses one aspect of a relationship, but it's important to know what the larger relationship is. Um, and finally, simply signing an agreement doesn't, uh, isn't carte blanche to disclose everything and anything. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I think those are very practical points and, um, and listeners could, could put them to use, um, right away. Um, We'll leave it at that. And that about does it for this, this edition of IP Council. And remember, you can find all of our shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also subscribe to this program through iTunes. And a very special thanks to my guest, Jeff Powers, for joining me today. Uh, Jeff, if someone wants more information on this topic, how can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me at Jeffrey.B.Powers at Bausch.com. Very good. And you can contact me at LALaw.com or email me directly at plando at LALaw.com. Join us next time for another episode of IP Council, and have a great day, everyone. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening today. Join us again on the next edition of IP Council, Talking Law and IP, right here on the Legal Talk Network.